0: Oh, greetings, and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. Now, what are companion videos? Well, I'm often glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, we don't always have time to get around to all of the live comments and questions that get sent in. And so, what I like to do, since you guys sent them in, I gather them up and I make sure they get answered properly in a video. So that's what we do here on companion videos and we actually were backed up quite a bit we had a lot to get through so we did one companion video yesterday and now we're going to finish it off by doing another companion video today thank you guys for joining me here by the way so let's not waste any time and get right to it and the first question we're going to start getting caught up on comes to us from ryan loner who writes A few episodes into Sons of Anarchy season four, again, one of my top three favorite shows ever, I finally realized where I know Bobby from, the prison heist episode from The Mandalorian. I'm also hoping that Unser and Potter meet uh, for a Deadwood reunion. Well, first of all, yeah, I was saying that one of the, from season one of Mandalorian, that one breakout episode, Bobby from Sons of Anarchy is there. And I was like, ah, I all freaked out. So obviously I knew Bobby from Sons of Anarchy before I did from Mandalorian. But I was really late to the Deadpool party, Deadpool, Deadwood party. I was really late to the Deadwood party. And so like I I watched it for the first time long after it had finished airing. I had seen Sons of Anarchy first. And so then when I started watching Deadwood, I was, oh, I was like amazed how many Deadwood alumni went on to do Sons of Anarchy. Like it is really crazy how many people are there. If you've never watched Deadwood, but you have seen Sons of Anarchy Uh, You'll be shocked when you do go and watch Deadwood, and you should watch Deadwood, by the way. Just see how many uh, Sons of Anarchy people are on there. All right. Doug uh, Tarnovian writes, hey, John. I've never consistently watched a show week to week until The Boys and Mandalorian. It feels good to be part of the community, listening to theories and feeling the excitement of the next episodes. Anyway, I plan on watching your documentary soon. Thanks. And well, thank you, Doug, for checking out my documentary. Of course, my documentary movie trailers, A Love Story is available now worldwide on Vimeo On Demand uh, and also available in the US and the UK on Amazon. So thank you for that. You just highlighted for me, though, Doug, why I actually think it is better when streamers or television networks release their episodes week to week instead of all at once. Now, listen, I've said this many times. I'm a binger, so I do like to be able to sit down and rip through six episodes if I want to. But look at what's happened with Mandalorian. Let's just take Mandalorian, for example. Mandalorian, it could have dropped all at once. And then everybody would have buzzed about it for a week, and then it would have not been talked about again. That's exactly what happens with the Netflix shows. Even the best ones, they drop all their episodes at once. Everybody binges them in the first couple of days. Everybody buzz, buzzes about it for a week or two, and then it, it just disappears, right? No, I remember when Punisher came out, Punisher season one. And it was so great. And a whole bunch of people talked about it for a couple of days. And then just nobody talked about it again. Mandalorian dropping week to week builds momentum. It builds excitement. We get to watch one episode. And by the way, it means all of us as fans are in the same place. When Netflix drops a show all at once, you're never in the same place as it as everybody else. You may watch one or two episodes a day it drops somebody may watch one episode next week and then another episode a few weeks nobody's on the same page when mandalorian comes out and we know when it comes out pacific standard time drops at midnight on thursday nights that's when i watch it at any rate most people wait till friday morning we have all seen it we talk about it we buzz about it we speculate about it we theorize about it and all that kind of stuff and then it all happens again next week and then it all happens again the week after that. And that's why, even though I am personally a binger, it is, there are a lot of advantages to this week-to-week release schedule. And uh, I think the fan community is better for it. I mean, just look at the energy that surrounds The Mandalorian. And I guarantee you're going to see the same thing happen when WandaVision drops, as long as, you know, WandaVision doesn't suck, that is. So anyway, Doug, I'm glad you're on that train, my friend. And yes, do go check out my movie, and please let me know what you think of it once you do. All right, next up, James L.H. writes, John, one of three, I have to mention a series, Small Axe. It's five anthology films directed by Steve McQueen, set in the London Caribbean community uh, during the seventies and eighties by BBC slash Amazon. Episode one: Leticia Wright. Uh, Leticia Wright, by the way, she plays Shuri, Black Panther's little sister, in Black Panther, and she's great in that. Uh, plays a member of the UK's Black Panthers. Coincidence about uh, <laughs> I a Black Panther again. Uh, about police protests and involves a courtroom drama became known as Mangrove Nine, similar in quality slash tone to Trial of the Chicago Seven. Episode two takes place mostly at a house party about two people. Really nice story. Episode three is about as about a young man who joins the police after his father is beaten by the police starring John Boyega. I thought Detroit was great. Detroit is amazing. Detroit is absolutely fun. If you haven't seen Detroit, it's a difficult watch. But it's an amazing film. You should definitely check it out. Uh, But this is one of his best performances to date. Uh, Still two episodes to be broadcast. Although set decades ago, very relevant today. Uh, There's been really good reviews. Yeah, I've just – I had really never heard of this series until just recently because of another person who wrote into the show. And them running into the show is what put it on my radar. And since that time, I have heard from a number of people – uh, talking about the show w- which is great now i have not checked it out myself i have not gone to see it but i really do like john Boyega as a performer i really i love Letitia Wright as a performer so at some point i'm going to have to check it out and you tell me it's kind of in the vein of trial of chicago 7 which as of right now is still my number one favorite film of the year trial of chicago 7 uh that just makes me even more interested in it james so thanks for putting that on my and everybody else's radar i'll have to go check that out all right next up bmc writes do you think AT and T slash Warner Brothers keeps HBO Max as a U.S. only service during this period? I mean, they still need the box office dollars, and almost all of it will be foreign next year. Uh, no, HBO Max at some point will go worldwide. I don't know how long it'll take them. Like Disney, still Disney Plus still isn't worldwide, but they have been expanding in more markets. HBO Max, listen, listen. Warner Brothers, like Disney, is transitioning to a direct-to-consumer company. That means really the movie theaters are not a part of their long-term plans. They may still have some short-term plans for them, but obviously not many, but it's definitely not a part of their long-term plans. Same with Disney. So uh, no, I do not believe they're going to keep it exclusive. I believe I've even heard some whispers about HBO Max already starting to roll out in some international markets. Again, it's going to be a while before they have like worldwide coverage, but It is what they're going to be aiming for. May take some time, but, you know, we'll get there, BMC. We'll get there. All right, next up, Glenn writes. Hi, John. What do you think Sony's streaming strategy should be? That is a great question. Actually, that is an excellent, excellent question. Uh, Listening or licensing movies for a few hundred million to other services or creating their own and making money via subscription fees. Can you revisit Fate of Morbius slash Venom 2 after the move from Warner Brothers and potentially Disney Plus? All right. So that has really been the billion dollar question and not just for Sony, but also for a couple of other of the studios as well that do not have their own real streaming platforms at this point because Disney is moving everything to Disney plus they've reorganized their entire company to be a Disney plus first company and everything in their company is now aligned to doing that. So all the content they create is going to be destined for Disney plus blah, 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 Warner brothers, kind of the same thing. Paramount has CBS all access, but I thought they were changing their name to Paramount plus, which is actually a better name for it, but they have something as well. Sony does not have a marquee streaming service of their own. So I don't know what they do. There are a couple of options on the table for Sony. Number one, they get out of the movie business. That is something that was very feasible a few years ago. But then Sony got a new CEO and the new CEO is very committed to the movie business. So as long as I can't remember the new CEO's name, but as long as that dude is the CEO of Sony, then Sony's going to be making movies. Option number two, they get their own streaming platform really going. Now, I believe they have ownership stakes in a couple of the smaller streaming services, but I mean like a Sony Plus, not that I suggest they should call it Sony Plus, but you know what I'm saying? Like invest, it takes tens of billions of dollars to do it. But invest in getting their own major streaming platform going? Do they have the library of content that can sustain something like that? Can they make enough original material to sustain that? I don't know, but that is one of the options. The third option, which isn't the best option, but might be one they're looking at is to strictly become a content a content producing company That then licenses out their content to the other streamers and let the existing streamers bid for their content. Now, listen, in 2019, Netflix spent $14.7 billion in licensing content. $14.7 billion in licensing other people's content to put on Netflix. Disney's not going to do that. But... Because Disney Plus is going to go all original. Warner Brothers still licensed some other people's content. So, there very well still could be a very lucrative market for Sony as strictly a movie production company that creates movies to sell to other companies to play and license to other companies to play on their platforms. That could very well be it. There's going to be a high demand for content. So, and, and there's probably three or four other options as well. But I, I, you're thinking along the same lines as me, Glenn. What is Sony going to do in the next year or two? That's I'm going to be keeping – again, I think it's like just fold their movie division or sell it, whatever. Uh, develop their own streaming platform or really realign themselves to strictly become a content production company that then licenses that content out. And there's a lot of money to be made there. There is a lot of money to be made there. So I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see, Glenn. Excellent question. Next up, an anonymous viewer writes, Hey, John, it seems like your main problem with My Hero Academia is with the way the English voice actors portrayed them. I think you should try to watch the next few episodes in uh, subtitles and original language. I find a lot of English dubs to be bad. I've done both. I've done both. Um, and the problem is still just as bad. Because even just take um, uh, Cashon, right? Even if you just take him, every time he speaks, he's got the X's on the eyes. And, and I've tried watching one or two episodes uh, just with the subtitles and it's still conveyed. Like I just, there's a lot of good stuff about the show. I even did start season two, but season two is not very good. Like season two is like seven episodes just happened at the same sporting event. Like it just drags out, and again, still Deku and Kashan, and they all just still talk the same way. <laughs> 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 and it just became annoying. I officially gave up on it on Saturday. Saturday, I I watched a couple more episodes of it. Uh, I believe I got to the end of season two. I got to the end of season two, and I was like, uh, you know, tap. I tapped. I I can't take it anymore. Again, and it's too bad because it's a really interesting mythology, a world with quirks, and I love the All Might character. Love the All Might character. Love the mythology behind All for One and One for All. I love all that, but it's just it's just too annoying to watch. Um, You know, it's such a different experience than when I was watching Avatar: The Last Airbender, which I really ended up really enjoying. But I, I can't take My Hero Academia anymore. I just I, I went two seasons. I gave it plenty of chances. I mostly did it in uh, in uh, dubbed, but then I did try a few episodes and subtitles and didn't help the matter much for me. So I, I've i tapped out on it, unfortunately. I, I, I overall didn't enjoy My Hero Academia very much, although it's really a shame because, like I said, a lot of that mythology story structure they had in place – was great it just was ruined by terrible terrible lead characters and execution but that that was just my take on it all right next up ben burnside writes hey john i am doing a youtube discussion on my concern of the decline of movie theaters in the future and i was wondering if i can do a reaction to the youtube video uh clip you made you made today this would be the other day on your specific talk about hbo max announcements love the show um well yeah and and technically speaking doing a reaction to something and doing commentary to something that is on YouTube is really not even something you need permission for. Uh, as long as you're not using my copyright music or anything like that, it's called, it's a doctrine of fair use. If you're doing a video where you're specifically giving commentary, um, and discussion about my video, that's something you're allowed to do. So even if I said to you, no, Ben, you cannot use my thing. Technically you actually can. So yes, you you can go ahead and do that. And really, I I am in no place that I can tell you that you can't. Now you can't just steal people's videos and just play them on your channel. There has to, there are very specific rules about fair use. But yes, if the very specific usage of any of my video clips is to give commentary and whatever about my clip, that falls under fair use. Again, go and read up on some legal. Uh, on the legal doctrine of fair use and educate yourself on it. But yes, you can you can do that, Ben. Thanks for asking though. Yeah. All right, Ben also writes, do you look straight at your camera when talking on your show or do you look at a live screen of yourself that's on your computer when talking? Yeah. I want to look at, uh, at a live video of me in my videos because it's more comfortable, yeah. but I worry about being inauthentic. Well, I mean, whether, if, whether I'm looking over here, or whether I'm looking right here, or whether I'm looking right here, being authentic is not about where your eyes are. That's not. That has nothing to do with authenticity, all right? Authenticity comes from what you say and, and how you say it. I personally like to look at the camera. As long as I don't have to look at a screen over here to read something, generally speaking, I like to look at the camera uh, because I just kind of envision the camera is the eyes of the audience and I like to talk to the audience. I do find as well that the audience – there's there's a, a a psycho there's a psychology to it too, where the audience just feels a little bit more like you are talking to them when you are making eye contact with them, right? Ultimately, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Now, I could watch myself, okay, just so you know, where my eyes are right now, that's me watching a screen of everything going on. And once in a while I do look down to the screen just to make sure I'm still you know, properly in in picture and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, I like to look at the camera. So that would be my recommendation. But ultimately, do what is comfortable for you. Because if you're worried about being authentic, it is a lot easier just to be natural and authentic when you are most comfortable. So if you're most comfortable looking down like this while you're talking, then do it. If, if everything else is equal, then look into the camera. That's my recommendation at any rate. Thanks for asking, Ben. All right, next up. Mike Thompson writes, and you thought there wouldn't be much movie news t- to talk about since the pandemic started. Well, I mean, to be fair, there, there hasn't been. Like, if you go back to like, you know, November of last year, I mean – we we just didn't know how we were going to discuss everything. There was so much to talk about every single day. Today's not like that. Some big things happen, yes. But, you know, last about a year ago at this time, we were doing on average five main topics every day. We probably averaged five main topics a day, and that was and the only reason we did five is because there wasn't time to do six or seven. So, we were doing five main topics a day while leaving some topics off the show because it just wasn't time to talk about it. Today, it's different. In the age of the pandemic, we're averaging three main topics a show. And sometimes one of those three topics will be topics that never would have made it on my show a year ago or two years ago, depending on it. But yes, once in a while, big, big major things happen to talk about. uh, And that's been great. But that is the beautiful thing about movies. I mean, there's always something to talk about. and uh, But yeah, if you had told me, in January that the global pandemic is going to hit, all theaters are going to be closing down, basically no new movies out in theaters, blah, 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 but said, but you're still going to be doing your daily show come December. I would have thought there's no way that could happen. And yet here we are. You're absolutely right about that, Mike. All right, next up, Sam Fisher writes, I think the new episode of Mandalorian was one of the best yet. I normally find myself checking how much longer I have in the episode. I didn't do that this time. The episode just flew by. Well, one of the reasons the episode flew by is because I think it might have been the shortest episode of the season so far. I believe I checked. I believe it was 31 minutes. So it was objectively, I think, the shortest episode of the season which may contribute to why it flew by, but no, it was, it was packed with action and, and, uh, and a lot of good stuff. And uh, I, I, again, I don't think the best episode of the franchise so far, but another excellent one, uh, another thoroughly entertaining one. And uh star Wars has its own John wick and his name is Boba Fett. Uh, so, which was so cool. All right, next up uh, ready. Teddy said, writes, Hey, John, I just finished watching the first three episodes of Big Sky. Are you uh, on the uh, Kylie uh, Bunbury train yet? Not really. The only thing I really know her from was there was an excellent, excellent, excellent comedy. Jason Bateman comedy uh, a couple of years ago called Game Night uh, with Rachel McAdams. Good Canadian girl, by the way. And that's the only thing I really knew her from. I, I really don't know her from anything else. So, but she was great in that. Anyway, but I've not seen Big Sky. I've seen a poster for it in LA when I'm driving around, but I haven't seen the show yet. Uh, are you on the uh, Kylie uh, Bunbury train yet? She's a, Ham- a Hamilton native. Really? She's a Hamilton native like yourself. I've been watching her since Twisted. I think she's a budding superstar. Big Sky is pretty good so far. No, I haven't seen Big Sky. Like I said, nothing about it looked like appealed to me. But at this, Kylie, so you're saying not only is she a good Canadian kid, she's from Hammer. She's from the Hammer. That's what we from Hamilton call Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. It's called the Hammer. Um, Now, for those of you who don't know, I am an absolute homer when it comes to my hometown. I know everybody thinks their hometown is the best town. My hometown is the, is my favorite city in the world. And I say that with no uh, sarcasm, uh, n- no uh, no tomfoolery. Hamilton, Ontario, Canada is my favorite place in the world. It is home. Um, I love that city. Uh, it will be where Anne and I will eventually move to. We're going to be in LA for another couple of years, but at some point we're moving back to Canada uh, well, I'm moving back to Canada. Anne has never lived there before, but Anne will be coming with me. Uh, and Hamilton will be home. That's where my family still is. That's where my my roots are. I love that city. Like I am, I am one of these guys who is crazy, passionately loves his hometown. Um and the hammer, I mean, I'm very passionately you know, crazy Canuck. I'm very proud Canadian. You can see the, the flag behind me there. You can see the little bit of the flag there. I'm a very proud Canadian kid, but even Almost more so than that, I'm a Hamilton guy. So just hearing that this girl is from Hamilton, okay, you got my attention. I'm pro- I already liked her in Game Night. I had no idea a she was Canadian. B I didn't even I certainly didn't know she was Hamilton. So thank you for putting that on my radar already, Teddy. Uh, next up, Cosman writes, "Hello from Eastern Europe." Hello, Cosman from Eastern Europe. So I've read that uh, Andy Forsell, the head of HBO Max Global, just announced that HBO Max will expand in Latin America and Europe. I, m- I remember just saying that. I said, I think I just heard about them doing some expanding already. So here we go. Uh, just announced that HBO Max will expand in Latin America and Europe in the second half of 2021. And this regions will be very active by the end of 2021. Isn't that great? Yeah. So there you go. You're just That is a reference back to a question that came in a little bit earlier on today's show. Which is HBO Max is going to expand. They are going to they're going to burst beyond just being a U.S. based streamer. They do have global aspirations. It just may take some time, but uh, yeah, like you just said, Cosman, they are already have that going, and they already have plans, and they're already moving. So, and there will be more. There will be more territory. So, thanks for so much for sending that in, Cosman. Appreciate that, man. All right, next up. Gav the Great AV. Uh Gav Great A V writes, hey John, I love the show, especially the tech insights you have. Uh have you ever thought about doing the John Campia tech show, talking about gadgets, black magic stuff, cameras, reviewing gear? Rob could even do the latest Blu-ray hot toy of the week. Um, so yeah, I am an absolute tech head. Most of my YouTube viewing is watching tech videos. So I'm watching Linus and I'm watching, uh, MKBHD and I'm watching, uh, DSLR shooter and I'm watching, uh, uh, Harris Heller and I'm watching, um, you know, uh, the everyday dad and I'm watching, I watch a lot of tech stuff and I particularly love anything that has to do with production, Right cameras, mics, software, gear, sound, you name it. Obviously, computers, tablets. I'm a huge, huge gearhead. And like I said, most of my YouTube viewing is watching that kind of stuff. I would love to do a show about tech. I really would. There are a couple things to get in the way of that. But the main thing that gets in the way of that, though, is simply this. I work 12 to 14 hours a day as it is. You know, there's a reason why like even some of these big guys like like uh, MKB and stuff like that will do like one video every couple of days, like one eight-minute video every couple of days. It takes time to, to do that kind of stuff, right? I do a two-hour show every day um, and I simply just don't have time. Like, there are a lot – like first of all, look, if time was an unlimited resource – On top of doing my movie stuff and streaming and television stuff, which I love, I would also do sports. I would totally do a sports show, uh, particularly an MMA show, but I would, you know, I just finished watching the New York Jets just choke, choke a game away with five seconds left in the game. No, that was quite exciting. They were playing the Raiders. So I just finished watching the Raiders Jets game. I am huge into sports uh, and huge into tech. So I would love to do videos and stuff like that, but I just don't have the time I mean that that is ultimately is the bottom line like here I am on the weekends doing shows like I did a show yesterday and I'm doing a show yesterday Saturday and I'm doing a show right now today on Sunday so I am I'm doing shows seven days a week and I'm working 12 to 14 hours a day to produce the John Campus show and then there's other stuff on top of that and I uh while I would love to do that sort of stuff love 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 to do that sort of stuff I simply just don't have the time. But thanks for asking, Gav. I appreciate that. All right, and as you're Has there been any headway made to get HBO Max onto Roku? Yes. I do know that the the um negotiations are ongoing. The deal that was made, HBO Max made their deal with the Amazon Fire Stick finally, and the terms of that deal will lay the groundwork for what their deal with Roku will be. It'll happen. I believe it'll happen before Wonder Woman hits hits HBO Max. HBO Max will want HBO Max on Roku before Wonder Woman comes out on December 25th. So, um, yes, I do know negotiations and talks continue to go on. I hear they're going well. So... I think it'll be on there before Christmas. Maybe not. Maybe shortly thereafter, but things are still moving. All right. Our friend Kevin Rubio writes in, John, last episode of The Mandalorian. Holy F, it's going to be a long week. I mean, I'll tell you what. That is the one thing about each episode of The Mandalorian. The episode ends and then you realize, damn, now I got seven days to wait until the next episode, right? And it's only Sunday right now. We still have days to wait until the next one. But that is the hallmark of a great show, right? The hallmark of a great show, a show that is doing its job, is that it's the old showbiz adage, leave them wanting more. The show ends, and all we can do is salivate and wait for the next episode. And uh, yet that's one of the reasons why momentum on the show keeps building and going. And it was a terrific episode, Kev. Absolutely. All right. Edward Wells writes... Movie theaters, 1896 to 2021. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Will children born in 2021 ever sit in a movie theater as an adult? Probably. Listen, I have been saying for a while that, yeah, listen, the writing's on the wall. The biggest studios are transitioning away from movie theaters. They're transitioning to becoming direct-to-consumer companies through subscription-based models and all that kind of stuff. But I've also said that Look, record players, the the age of record players came and went, but they're still out there. You can still buy vinyl and you can still get a record player, right? They're still there. Their age is over. The age of the record player and vinyl is over and gone, but it's still out there for a niche market. Movie theaters will be the same eventually. You know, in a few years, movie theaters will kind of have that same thing. They'll still be there, right? Right. They'll still be there for niche kind of things, but the age of the movie theater is over. This 120-plus year age of movie theaters is coming to an end. Uh, the theaters will still be there. There will still be times to go. Nothing replaces watching with things with an audience and a crowd. Um, so it'll still be there. It'll just be different. It'll just be different at this point, Erdard. And remember, this is coming from a guy who my favorite thing in the world is the movie-going experience. Getting up, like... I've, I've said for years, every day that I wake up in the morning on a day that I know I'm going to the movies today sometime is a good day. And it is the best way to watch a movie. It's the best way to experience a movie. Uh, it's an extreme example, but it makes the point. Can you imagine if the first time you saw the portal scene in Avengers was at in your, in your stupid living room by yourself? Yay instead of being in a theater with 400 other people and Mionir flies in the Captain America's hands and you're with 400 other people are going ah! and losing their minds, never going to have, we're not going to have that experience anymore. We're not going to have that experience anymore. And it makes me sad. That doesn't mean there won't be great things ahead. There will be great things ahead. But the fact that we're losing that, and that is something you cannot replicate at home. You can't replicate that at home. And so uh, it's sad, but it is the way it's going. So theaters will still be there, though. It's just that not as we know them now. All right. Ryan Loner writes, Letitia Wright is saying some crap about COVID vaccine being from hell because one of the ingredients sounds kind of like Lucifer. As Ron Burgundy would say, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Yeah. Look, to me, this is much like, again, the Gina Carano thing. Gina Carano said some really stupid things. Um, but you can be stupid. I, I I don't watch Mandalorian so I can watch somebody who does whatever when they're on the show. I watch Mandalorian to watch people play roles and hopefully play them pretty well. Gina Crono to me is not the world's greatest actress, but she plays Cara Dune well. And I am entertained watching her play Cara Dune. And as long as she's not doing anything harmful to people, and she's just expressing opinions, then, you know, whatever. I may think you're an idiot, but I th- you do a good job on it. So, like, I'm I'm good. There are a lot of people calling for, my people are calling for uh, Gina Crono to be fired off of Mandalorian. I'm like, nah, no, she's good on the show. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. I mean, there are extreme examples, but that was not an extreme example. Yeah, Letitia Wright and the whole anti-vax thing, it's like, okay, so you're not terribly bright, but, She's great as Shuri and she's just expressing her opinion online. And I can think she's an idiot. I can think she's an idiot for doing it. That's fine. But or that it's idiotic things. And let's face it, you say idiotic things. I, everybody says idiotic things. Sometimes this happens to be hers. Uh, Does it make her any less good at playing Shuri? Nope. Is it going to make me, am I going to think about uh, her being anti-vax when I'm watching her in an MCU movie? No. I'm just going to see Shuri. She's good in that role. She plays it well and she's entertaining. And so as long as she's not doing, going out there doing other things that are way, like way more extreme, I'm totally good with it. So doesn't, I don't care. I don't care what Leticia Wright says about anything on Twitter. doesn't bother me. I don't, uh, I don't watch her playing Shuri in an MCU movie because I care about whatever her her medical beliefs are about vaccinations. I don't care. doesn't bother me. I can think I can have my own opinion about what she's saying, but it doesn't affect whether or not I want to watch her in a show. know what I'm saying? So anyway, that's just me. All right, next up. Lover boy writes. On a positive note, just bought tickets for Wonder Woman eighty four for Christmas Day in Dolby, and the theater was almost full at half capacity. After this Warner Brother announcement, it gives me hope. Some people still love the theater experience. I pray it doesn't go. Uh, it doesn't go away. Now, listen. There are going to be people. There are going to be people like me who will still want to go and see a movie in a the theater when they can. The sad part is, prior to the pandemic. Every showing of Wonder Woman 84 would have been sold out in minutes on opening weekend. Every screening of Wonder Woman 84 would have been sold out within minutes of things going online. The very fact that we have Wonder Woman 84 opening up and is going to be in some theaters. And those theaters were only half full by the time you got around to buying the tickets that is kind of a point. Now, and I have no doubt you're going to see theaters that are, by the time Christmas Day gets here, you're going to see theaters that are sold out. But you just got to remember they didn't sell out within minutes of tickets going on sale like it would have before. Uh, and I'll certainly, well, no, in Los Angeles, I'm not going to be, movie theaters aren't going to be open in LA, but I would have been, if movie theaters were open in LA, I would have been there, but uh, unfortunately I won't be. All right, next up, I'm Batman Writes. Why haven't they showed a Mortal Kombat trailer yet when it's coming out next month? It is not coming out next month. Uh, Or have they put or have they put one out? Uh, By the way, I said I was going to try Zevia. Well, I did. And I have to say that I did not like it at all. Sorry about that. Hey, I don't make Zevia cola. I don't care if you like it or not. And I I admit the first time I had a Zevia, remember, I started drinking Zevia. They don't even sponsor me, these stupid assholes. They don't even sponsor me, despite the fact that more cases of Zevia have been sold because of me than anything else they've ever done in their lives. But I started drinking Zevia because I had to get off. I had to get off of the the diet soda stuff. The artificial sweeteners and that stuff are horrible for you. Don't get me wrong. I'll still have a Diet Pepsi or a Diet Coke now and again, but I used to drink like two liters of it a day. And I realized when I started doing more research on the health stuff of artificial sweeteners, but I still needed to have some kind of a soda to drink, right? It just, it's a mental thing. Somebody recommended uh, Zevia to me, which is a uh, no calorie, but also no artificial sweeteners. And I did a little bit of reading into it. It's like, oh yeah, it's legit. And the first time I had it, it's like, well, it's different, but the, the taste has really grown on me, but don't apologize to me. I have no stake in Zevia Cola. They are not sponsors of my show. So whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter. But yeah, um, Mortal Kombat, they did announce a while ago. and We talked about it on the show. They have pulled its release date and they are not going to be announcing when it's going to come out now for a while. It's not going to be a while, for a while until they announce what they're going to do with it. Unless, hold on a second. Uh, I, I forget. I, it, it's not Warner Brothers, is it? I don't think Mortal Kombat is Warner Warner Brothers. Hold a second. Uh, uh, Combat 2021. Right now they're listing it in 2021, but I don't know. Yeah, there's no specific date. There's no specific date right now. Let me see if I can find the company behind it. Um, Uh, Let's see here company credits okay so the production company oh you know what you're probably going to see it straight to you're probably going to see it go to uh uh hbo max because it is warner brothers is behind it for some reason there for a second i didn't think it was but it is warner brothers behind it so yeah but i don't think they've actually i to the best of my knowledge they have not announced an actual date for it yet but they did say a while ago they pulled its release date They'll, and they were going to save it for another time to announce whatever their new release date's going to be. So that's the situation. So I, I'm, I'm expecting it'll probably show up on HBO Max. I don't know that for a fact right now, but uh, that's why we haven't seen anything from it. All right. Next up, we've got Casey McNatt writes Hey, John. I'm not liking the news of HBO and Warner Brothers bringing their movies directly to streaming on the same day. This is really bad for theaters. If other companies follow suit, first it was Universal. Now it's WB. I really hope this isn't the end for theaters. It is. It is. And the writing is on the wall. And and again, a couple of weeks ago, I made that video about why Disney is going completely all in on Disney+. Plus. And we did the whole camping Classroom. It was a good 40-minute breakdown of the finances and the economics of it and all that kind of stuff. It makes sense. It, it makes sense for them. I don't like it. <laughs> no, sir. I don't like it at all. Uh, I don't like it in the least because I am a movie-going experience fan. But you can't argue with the economics of it. And Warner Brothers, this is them pivoting towards exactly what disney's pivoted towards which is they have realigned their entire company to be a direct-to-consumer company they believe the future is in hbo max that's where they're going to make all their money not this year but it's going to be about investing to get that whole thing up and running and it's going to be the future now again there will be still be movie theaters out there and come 2022 there will still be movie theaters out there but again, the age of the movie theater is over. And uh, and it's not the Warner Brothers thing that really did it. The real flare signal in the air that really showed the end of movie theaters was at hand was when Bob Chapek a couple of months ago, the new CEO of Disney, announced a complete reorganization of the entire Disney company, not just the movie studios, but the entire Disney company to pivot towards being a direct to consumer, and he was specifically talking about Disney Plus, and that was really the signal in there. Now, this was a move that they, that Bob Iger had in mind for a long time, but they weren't going to really execute on it for a few more years. But as Bob Chapek said, he said this: the COVID thing has just caused us to accelerate our plans. We have accelerated our plans by years, by years. And really, despite the universal moves and all that kind of stuff, it was that day that will go down, I believe, in history for movie fans. The day Bob Chapek made that announcement and went on and did the press circuit, talking about the whole realigning of Disney to becoming a direct-to-consumer company, that everything now was going to be funneled toward Disney+, Plus and all that kind of stuff, that'll be the day, I believe film historians will look back on and say that was the day that really, even though they were still around when it was announced, that was the day movie theaters died. Um, at least the age of movie theaters. So it wasn't the Warner, the Warner brothers move is just an extension of what Disney already announced. And that's why when we talked about in that breakdown about Disney going Trek, like going all in on Disney plus, we talked about Warner brothers is going to do the same thing. I didn't know they would do it this quickly by announcing all their 2021 films are going to go straight to HBO Max, but it makes sense. So really it's not the WB announcement. This has been a reality for a couple of months already. We're just seeing it manifest now, uh, which sucks, but Hey, you know, things go through evolutions. The movies are still there. Movies will still be movies. So there's that Casey. There is that, but yeah, don't, Hey, listen, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. that somehow, some way theaters come out on the other side of this. I just don't think it's going to happen, but I'm going to stay hopeful. I will stay hopeful. All right. Chris Warden writes, while WB's announcement is likely another death blow to the theaters, I can absolutely see what Warner Brothers is thinking. Sacrifice a few billion now in the hopes of making tens of billions over the next 10 to 20 years. It's definitely a big gamble. It is a gamble, but it is the way things are going. Like we said, and when I did the economic breakdown for Disney going over to Disney+, Plus, we show that by the end of 2023, Disney could very well be making $7 billion in profit from Disney Plus alone. Wrap your heads around that. That by the end of 2023, Disney could be making $7 billion a year in profit just from Disney Plus. Put that in context. In 2019, Disney as a whole Parks, experiences, merchandising, toy, uh, movies, streaming, whatever. When you take all of Disney, the entire company of Disney, they made in 2019 $11 billion in profit. That includes everything. 60-something billion in revenue, but $11 billion in profit. By the end of 2023, they could be generating $7 billion in profit just from disney plus these are types of numbers that these companies like warner brothers they can't ignore that kind of potential right they can't ignore that kind of potential the transition costs money and you're right. They're going to be sacrificing. Like, are they going to make, they're they're going to see the types of returns on wonder woman 84 by putting it directly onto HBO max, same day as limited theaters. No, they're not going to make the same kind of revenue. They could have made if They just did a full theatrical release, but the way they're looking at it is this is the sacrifice we make now to lay the groundwork and build towards what we're going to do in the future. You sacrifice a few billion dollars now, so you can make five to $10 billion a year later down the road. Um, Again, I'm not happy about it, but I totally get it. I mean, it makes logical sense. And it's not a, as big of a gamble as you may think. Somebody, we addressed one question on the open or on the um, companion video yesterday where somebody was talking about the, you know, Warner Brothers is taking a huge risk here. Is it that big of a risk, right? Somebody wrote in yesterday, understandably, and they said, why are they announcing moving all their films in 2021 to HBO Max when they haven't see, even waited to see how it works out with Wonder Woman 84 yet? And my answer to that was because they've already seen that the model works. Netflix has been doing it for years. The subscription-based model works. And they didn't have to do their own trial and error to see if it worked. They know it works. They've seen it work for years. And now they're going to make that transition too. And they're not alone. Disney's making that transition. You're going to see other studios make that transition. So it's Any type of thing where you're sacrificing billions to hopefully make tens of billions, sure, there's inherent risk there, but it's not as big of a risk as you might think. We as an entire culture and society have transitioned to becoming a monthly subscription-based model. We do it with our gyms. We do it with our music, right? Everybody, Nobody buys CDs. People buy memberships to Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube Music or, or whatever your music listening platform is. We, we do that with a monthly subscription. Even the movie theaters started transitioning to monthly subscription models. AMCA List, Regal Unlimited, they were moving away from buy a single ticket for a single movie to pay a monthly subscription price and come see all the movies you want. Everything has moved towards that. So it's, again, Warner Brothers trying to get more invested in that model. Not as big of a, of, of a gamble as you might think. All right. Mischievous Gremlin writes, Hey, John, to all the wrestling fans out there, I want to send out my condolences to the first ever Intercontinental Champion. That's right, Pat Patterson passed away. The great, the late great Pat Patterson, who sadly uh, passed away on Tuesday, RIP. Yeah, and you know what the fun, the, the great thing about Pat Patterson was, he was one of the forerunners. He was really one of the pioneers of the television age of wrestling. And he stayed involved. Like, I felt like whenever I was watching a special WWE event, whether it's some kind of documentary series or hall of fame or whatever pat patterson was always there like pat patterson stayed involved with the company uh i can't remember how old he was. i think he was in his 80s i think he passed into his 80s but yeah hearing about the passing of pat patterson was uh, was sad and truly one of the pioneers of that entire entertainment industry mischievous thanks for bringing that up man all right freddie writes not going to lie. I thought today's Mandalorian episode, this was obviously on Friday. uh, I thought today's Mandalorian episode was going to be filler episode, but I was pleasantly proven wrong. I love today's episode. Got goosebumps. Are you doing a spoiler discussion again today? And what do you think about it? Yeah. So every Friday, uh, Ann and I do a Mandalorian episodic spoiler discussion at 4 PM Pacific standard time on Fridays. So every, and then once that's done, we're going to do the same thing with, uh, uh WandaVision once WandaVision launches Uh, and again you know what there hasn't been any filler episodes this season every episode this season has brought in elements of the story because the journey is the story in Mandalorian not all shows are like that but Mandalorian is and I don't think there's been a single filler episode this I think every episode this season has been great yes even the damn Ahsoka Tano episode even I have to say that episode was great for those of you, I don't like the Ahsoka Tano character, but it was a great episode. And seeing the amazing, amazing performance uh, of Ahsoka Tano by Rosario Dawson, who I completely adore, um, even I, even me, I even I had to say, wow, bravo. That was a great episode. And then this one with, with Boba Fett. Oh, my God. It was so good. All right. Next up, Pierre writes. Hey, John and Rob, if he's in. Obviously, Rob's not here right now. Uh, yesterday in the same hour, Quebec government announced Christmas celebrations and Warner Brothers announced they were killing the movie theaters. Two of my favorite things gone. At least I have the John Cabas show. Thank you for all you do. It means a lot. Oh, thank you so much for that, Pierre. I love Quebec. I swear, me and some friends of mine, every once in a while, we would drive. Not only would we go into the province, but we would go to Montreal and we'd go to the old quarter. One of my favorite places was this uh, uh, place to eat, was this place in the old quarter in Montreal called the International Cafe, which uh, I just love the food there. I've gone into like Quebec City proper a couple of times. I just love that province. Such a beautiful, beautiful province. Um, Anyway- Yeah, listen, Canada, it takes, has always, from the beginning, Canada's taken the the COVID pandemic situation far more seriously than the United States government did. I mean, just far more seriously. And that is why uh, the per capita rate of infection and deaths is like 100 times smaller. Like per capita is like way, way less. Maybe it was 10 times smaller, whatever it was, but way, way less because Canada took it way more seriously. And look, that had real implications. Canada put into place a rule that said no Americans can come into the U.S. without immediately going into quarantine for two weeks. That for me meant uh, my grandfather passed away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, My grandfather, who I am named after, Giovanni, uh, my dad's dad, and sorry, I'm still good. (sighs) Anyway, my grandfather passed away. And I couldn't go home for the funeral because uh, even if I got home, I immediately had to go into quarantine for two weeks and I wouldn't have been able to go to the funeral. So even though their level of seriousness about all this meant I had to miss my grandfather's funeral, yeah, but it was the right thing. It's the right thing. I'm proud of the Quebec government for shutting those things down. Certain things got to take priority. Certain things got to take priority. All right. Let's keep going I'm sure oh I can't wait to read all the hate messages I'm gonna get <laughs> anyway uh, Leon dry bright dry writes. Warner Brothers announcement being what it is assumes that theaters are on board with this right No it doesn't they don't care <laughs> that's that's the thing they it's it is indicating they simply don't care what the movie theaters have to say. Are theaters actually on board? No they're not uh, doesn't this violate the 90-day window Goilers go, go? Yeah it completely violates the 90-day window but it is simply the universal saying we're not going to follow the 90-day window and they have every right to do that. Now it's up to theaters to say, well, okay, if you're not going to follow our 90-day window, then we're not going to put your movie in our theaters. Lots of movies get made and go straight to DVD or home video, right? Lots of movies do that. Movies that are, that get put out to home video uh, have no obligation to follow any kind of a 90-day theatrical window. Warner Brothers have come out and just said, we're putting all of our movies straight to HBO Max. And for those of you theaters out there who want to show Wonder Woman 84 or all the different movies that we're going to have, we invite you to put it on. But just so you know, we have no intention of following a 90-day window. So theaters are completely within the right to say, well, then we're not going to put your movie in our theaters, to which Warner Brothers will go, okay. Or they can just suck it up and say, fine, we'll put it on our screens, even though you're not doing the 90-day window. Uh, AMC. Adam Aaron, the CEO of AMC, came out complaining about Warner Brothers move. They're not on board with this. So they're either just going to have to grin and bear it, or they can say, all right, we're not going to play any Warner Brothers movies in our theaters because they violate the 90-day window. Warner Brothers, what the only thing Warner Brothers doesn't have the right to do is to tell theaters, we're going to put our movies in your theaters honoring the 90-day window. And theaters then put them on. And then Warner Brothers goes, ha, ha, ha. We're actually going to break the 90-day window now and put it up on 30 days later. That you can't do. But what they can do, because then you're violating agreements. What they can do is say to the theaters in advance, and they have, say, hey, we're putting these movies on HBO Max. We're willing to let you play them in your theaters at the same time if you want, but that's up to you. Just so you know, though, we are putting our movies on HBO Max opening day. So now it's up to the theaters to say yay or nay yeah we'll we'll participate and we'll put it in our theaters too or no we're not going to participate and we're not going to put it on our theaters but that's now up to the individual theaters to decide because warner brothers just doesn't care because they know where their future is so they just don't care whether the theaters get on board or not and the theaters have no say they have no power at this point all right next up uh, Robert's belly button writes uh, Sony Latin America recently put up a video seeming to indicate that McGuire Garfield and Holland Spider-Man iterations could come together for a spider verse in the near future if Sony says it doesn't it make it more likely or is that a Marvel move no, no no if Sony said that then it's official those are Sony properties if Sony says it then it's official here's the thing that video you're talking about did not say that. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Sony Latin America put out this promo video, and it showed clips of the Maguire Spider-Man. said, you know, Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man from this year to this year. Then it showed, like, a clip of uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield played Spider-Man from this year to this year. Then it showed uh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland played Spider-Man from 2017 to present. And it said, who is your favorite Spider-Man? And it's like, it, it, um, hey, you can guess any of them, because, you know, we're in a multiverse, blah, blah, blah then some people took the radical leap to say that was Sony telling us they're going to put Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in the next Spider-Man movie. It's like, no, it didn't. I watched that video. That's not what it was saying at all. But, but I don't think that video, while that video does not in any way give any more credibility to the notion that we might see Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire in the next Spider-Man film, It doesn't say that at all, and it doesn't give any more credibility to that. It also doesn't take away any of the possibility. Like, I still believe Maguire and uh, Garfield showing up in another Spider-Man movie is highly unlikely. But as I keep saying, we live in a world right now where Jamie Foxx is coming back as Electro. Something you never thought that would happen. We live in a world where Ben Affleck is going to come back as Batman, something nobody ever thought would happen. So there is still exists a possibility that we live in a crazy world, man. That could happen. But that video does not speak to that. You know, I, I first saw a headline saying Sony hints that McGuire, they're coming back. I'm like, really? Wow. That's bold for Sony to do. And then I watched the video. I'm like, that is not what the video said at all. You could interpret it in such a way. But as soon as people started interpreting it that way, Sony said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 that's not what we were saying. And they pulled the ad. So they wouldn't spread false information, right? Again, though, I don't think that ad suggests anything either way. I don't think it makes it any more likely that we're going to see them. But I also don't think it makes it any less likely that we're going to see them. I don't think them making that video takes away from the idea that we could see a Maguire or a Garfield with Tom Holland. But it also was not – to me, I watched that video just objectively, just watched the video like, yeah, that – At least it was pretty clear to me they weren't trying to hint at anything. And the moment people started to interpret that as a hint, Sony took the responsible step of pulling it because, whoa whoa, whoa, we don't want it. If people think think that video was us saying that Maguire or whatever, okay, then we better pull it down because that's not what the case. But again, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But uh, anyway, yeah, that was just my interpretation of it, Robert, despite what every other outlet is running with. I, I didn't I watched that video. It didn't seem like that's what they were hinting at at all. But just to be clear, if Sony comes out and says Maguire and Garfield are going to be in the next Spider-Man movie, well, then that's it. It is it is officially official. It is take it to the bank. It's 100 percent official at that point. So take that for, for what it's worth. All right. Uh, Chris 1529 writes. I don't think it's the death for all theaters, but if your local four to five screen home theater, I think for those that want to go see a movie on a big screen, they will have to drive to the nearest midsize city. I mean, again, that's kind of what I've been saying, Chris. It's not that all the, the death. What I think we are facing is the end of the era of movie theaters, right? Kind of, kind of like in Lord of the Rings and they say the age of the elves is over. It's now the age of man. The age of movie theaters is over. It is now the age of streaming. That doesn't mean that all movie theaters are going to disappear. I do believe they will still be around, much like records and whatever. It's just going to be very different. It's just going to be very, very different. They'll still be there. It's just going to be completely different. So I think you're right, Chris. All right. Hippo writes, let's say movie theaters never come back. How much money is the Campia household investing in their own home theater room, complete with popcorn machine, movie theater recliners, and A plus picture and sound? Well, I've I've already got pretty much really good A plus. Like I've got a seventy five inch, uh, four K ultra high def uh, or or ultra uh, high, um, uh, uh, HDR ultra high uh, dynamic range, a uh, high dynamic range HDR I should say. So I got four K HDR. 75-inch, gorgeous, fantastic TV. I've got this wonderful thanks to the good folks at JBL who sent for free, sent me this incredible surround sound system. I've I've got everything I need. And the new house that Ann and I are buying, um, which I'm so excited about, uh, the new house Ann and I are buying has a great room for it. Um, but we might, if, I might have actually spent a little bit more money in it um maybe some some better recliners although i love my sectional sofa i i I have the my sectional sofa of my dreams right now but may spend a little bit more money and stuff like that but uh, yeah because that's going to be where we're going to watch all my movies from now on so i'll probably invest a little bit into that hippo i probably will as probably will a lot of film fans i'm guessing all right uh key lime killer writes i love the name Right. Hello and greetings from Key West. Hello, Key. I watch this show every day and the both of you helped me get through through the day. Oh, thanks so much, man. That is so nice of you to say. And it, it seriously is our honor to be here, whether it's, you know, and it's everybody behind the scenes, you know, Fact Checker Jonathan, who's done a lot of work on this channel uh, and obviously worked a lot with me on my movie, Ray, uh, Robert Meyer Burnett, Aaron. You know, it is our honor and privilege to make this show and be a part of the film fan community online and the fact that guys like you key come and hang out with us when we do the show every day is uh, is an incredible honor so thank you and it's always like nice when somebody just wants to take time just to send in to say something nice so thank you for that key lime Killer. i really appreciate it man all right next up beaner boy writes just recently finished H-I-M-Y-M. I have no idea what that is, guys. Please don't use acronyms. Um, and every time they made fun of Colby Smulder. Smul- oh, I, Colby Smulder. I'm assuming you mean how I met your mother. Okay, so that makes sense. Uh, every time they made fun of Colby Smulder's character for being Canadian, I would think of you. Also, let's go to the mall. That's a big Canadian thing to do. I know I did that. Limeridge Mall, Hamilton, Ontario. I wonder if that girl from big sky would go to the limeridge mall in hamilton ontario canada like i did i'll have to go and look that up um but anyway yes i love colby smulders by the way i think she's great it's too bad she just had this show what was a uh, um um heart beantown hard town grip town i can't remember the name of the show she's you know what, why don't i just look it up why don't i just look it up i'm forgetting the name of it um uh, uh kobe smulders the name of the show she was just doing was called stumptown that's it stumptown and it had um johnson what's his name jake johnson from new girl was in it it was not a bad little show it wasn't great it wasn't great but not a bad little show just for those i'll bring it up here on screen so those of you can know what uh know what i'm talking about it was not a bad little show and i like i said i'm just i, I really like colby smulders i really do like her quite a bit and michael Ely is L- L- I never know how to pronounce Michael Ellie's last name. He, whenever he's in something, I just think he's terrific too, but it was a nice little show. I think I heard it got canceled though. I think I heard it only lasted the one season. Did it only get the one season? I think maybe it did just, I, I don't think it got renewed for a second season, which is too bad. Cause actually, again, not a great show, but I thought it wasn't a bad show. Uh, anyway, thanks for that. Beaner boy. Next up. Tanu writes Oscar Isaac is moon Knight and solid snake. I'm not ready. Uh, Metal Gear Solid is my favorite video game franchise, and having him play Snake is blowing my mind. I'm wary of the writers and how complicated the story is, but having Isaac attached gives me hope. Yeah, I this is, uh, as, at least as far as announcements goes, 2020 is kind of Oscar Isaac's announcement year. I mean, he hasn't made anything, but it's his announcement year. He's going to be Moon Knight in the MCU, and he's going to be Solid Snake. That's a pretty good announcement year. That's not bad. So we say, listen, he is great. If you guys haven't seen Inside Lewin Davis, you have to. Like the, the guy is a tremendous actor. And I saw some people, like oh, the guy from the new Star Wars movie? I, I get it. There are some people who don't like the new Star Wars movies. That's perfectly fine. But he is a phenomenal actor. Just because he didn't like some movies he was in. Don't, don't lose sight of the fact that he is a tremendous talent. He's really good, and it's going to be really exciting to see him both in a Metal Gear Solid, if that ever gets made. They've been talking about it for a long time. And, of course, Moon Knight in the MCU. That's going to be actually really, really neat to see as well. All right. Next up, Caesar Rivera writes, uh, these are Disney Plus series I would like to see. I'm not saying they're going to happen, but I would like to see them. A Tron series. That would be expensive, but there are whispers. There are whispers of a Tron series. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, spin off series. Well, they are doing spin off movies that are probably going to go straight to Disney, Plus, but that's happening. Again, that would be a very expensive series to do. Uh, Mulan, spin off series. Han Solo continuation series. Independence Day series. These are all really expensive things. <laughs> like, there's nothing you're talking about that would be inexpensive. Like, this is all like high, high price tag stuff. But hey, listen. Yeah, you do Tron series. I'll check it out. You do Pirates of the Caribbean series. I'll check out all this stuff. Mulan spinoff, Han Solo. I check all that stuff out. Uh, again, these—that's all really high price tag stuff. So I don't know how likely any of those are, but I would be down for those, Caesar. I'd be completely down for those. All right, uh, JF Dorian writes, Rob. Six out of eight episodes of season two are written by John Favreau, one by Rick Famuyiwa, one by Dave Filoni. Well, there you go. I yeah, because we were talking about Rob and I were talking about that the other day. I because we had all. I had heard, too, and he, Rob said this, but to be fair to Rob, I had heard this as well, uh, that John Favreau had written all the episodes this season, uh, which says something about how great the season has been. Uh, but, yes, I had also—I didn't know uh, Femi Ua also wrote one of the episodes. I did not know that. That is interesting. No. Thank you for the fact check on that, JF Dorian. I appreciate that, man. Next up extant crab rights just rewatched the lord of the rings trilogy i got to do that again soon it's been it's been a beat since i've watched the lord of the rings trilogy again i need to do it soon those movies are ridiculous uh and was reminded just how good the charge of the rohiram scene is in return of the king for me it is the best movie scene of all time just hearing the music gives goosebumps every time dude that scene i find a lot of the scenes in, in Lord of the Rings that involve uh, the Rohirrim and involve Rohan and, and the King of Rohan and all that kind of stuff are just some of the most spine-tingling, chills, goosebump-inducing, chest-thumping scenes in there. Ride! Ride now! Death! Oh, my God. And they chugged, ride for Ruin! Charge it down but again i've talked about this before one of the greatest grrr moments you know that's not very i know that's not a really good technical term i know it's not a great technical term but i refer to it as grrr moments when you as a man just want to go grrr right one of the greatest ever is strider comes running into king theoden's throne room you know theoden's been resisting no we're not we're not gonna go help out gondor gondor's gondor let them deal with their own problems we got our problems here in rohan you know he's a leader he's got important decisions to make but then the torch torches get lit across the mountains the ancient way for gondor and rohan to call to each other for help if it's needed and strider comes running in to the room the torches have been lit gondor calls for aid and king Theoden being a good king, he pauses for a moment and he ponders for a second. And he turns to Strider. where Strider says, Gondor calls for aid. The king turns to Strider and says, and Rohan shall answer. Oh, tell me that doesn't get your guts boiling when you hear that. And Rohan shall answer. Fuck yes. That is one of the greatest scenes ever in cinematic history. and And of course, Théoden lading the charge down the hill there, the Battle of, of Gondor. Oh my God, it's just, this is such good stuff. But, and Rohan shall answer. I mean, that's right up there with Daehan saying, I offer myself as your new brother. From, you know, the Eric Eric Roberts classic, Best of the Best. Uh, two of my favorite Gurr moments in cinematic history, er, Extant. two of my favorite moments. All right, movie fan writes. I would like to hear your thoughts on directors and actors back end points. For example, Robert Downey Jr. with Iron Man, Christopher Nolan, James Cameron, etc. I think this will help theaters as the artists love those deals uh, because big hits make them big money. Thoughts. All right. Here's my thought on that. What movie fan is talking about, for those you may not know, is that there are some performers and some directors that on top of getting ridiculous life-changing money kind of contracts for being in and making certain movies. They will also get back-end points, which means which ba- it's it's very complicated and every situation is different, but basically is this. Tell you what, you star in this movie, we'll give you 5 million dollars to star in it, plus we'll give you 1% of all the box office. Great. If the movie makes 500 million dollars, that's another 5 million dollars that the actor gets right? If they get half a point and the movie makes $500 million, that's another $250 million or $2.5 million, I should say. That's another $2.5 million that that actor gets. Or you can be like Christopher Christopher Nolan who get like, what was it? 20%? I can't even remember what the number was. The thing is to keep in mind is that these sorts of deals are not as um, common as it used to be. The Robert Downey Jr. situation with the MCU caused – I read a great article on this before about how the Robert Downey Jr. situation with Marvel and how much money Marvel had to pay Robert Downey Jr. because of his back-end points deal has made a lot of studios start to recoil from that. Now, there are still some who get that kind of deal and there are circumstances where that's a pretty smart deal for studios to give certain actors like hey we don't have a lot of money to 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 pay you for this movie how about we pay you a little bit less than what you normally make but we'll give you points on the box office so if the actor believes in the movie and believes the movie can do at the box office it might behoove them to take a deal like that but again it's not as common as it used to be not as common as it used to be but also you got to keep in mind this Robert Downey Jr., James Cameron, and Christopher Nolan have absolutely no say in this. They have absolutely zero say in this. What Disney does with their movies and with their business and what Warner Brothers does with their movies and their business, James Cameron, Christopher Nolan, Robert Downey Jr., Arnold Schwarzenegger, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, it don't matter. They have absolutely a grand total combined of zero say. None. Disney has said this is the way our business is going. We are this is the direction we're heading. We are realigning our entire company to go that way. Box office ain't gonna be a part of our curriculum anymore. And Robert Danny, and by the way, Robert Danny Jr. has not said he has any problem with this. So we're just using his him as an example, okay? Just to be clear, we're just using Robert Danny Jr. as an example here. And Disney and Bob Chapek can turn and look at Robert Danny Jr. And look, if you want to be involved in this, you can. If you don't, that's fine. Go home. You've made enough money for 15 lifetimes. Go home. We don't need you. That is the way we're going. Now, Warner Brothers can want to, and they do, they want to stay in the Christopher Nolan business. They want to make Christopher Nolan movies, absolutely. But they're not going to let the overall direction of their entire company be dictated by any filmmaker or any actor or anybody at all. This is the direction they're going. And if you want to come along with us and make movies, great. And if you don't, fine. But the industry is changing. That's not to say there's not going to be some opportunities from filmmakers and celebrities in the immediate future. There may still be, but long-term, this is the way they're going. And they will have absolutely zero say. Zero say in it. The only time, there's going to be a very small window of time between now and the end of 2021, where maybe some actors, like we bring up the Dune situation. Let's say uh, Timothy Chalamet, um, who is starring in Dune. Let's say he had a back-end deal, a point, a back-end points deal on box office for Dune. I don't think he did, but let's just for argument's sake say he did. Well, that's a contract that he's got with Warner Brothers. And if Warner Brothers is now going to say, we're going to basically forego the theatrical experience, it'll play in a couple of theaters, but really we're going to HBO Max first. What, H, what Warner Brothers would have had to have done is then approached anybody like Timothy Chalamet who happened to have back-end points deals, and they would have had to have negotiated with their representation in advance to take that out of the contract. So let's say, and again, I don't think Timothy Chalamet did have back-end points. I'm just saying, let's pretend he did, and let's pretend he added uh, two percentage points of whatever box office Dune was going to make. Okay. So Warner Brothers would have had to have gone to him in advance to say, look, We are no longer going to put this movie out in theaters. We have a contract with you to give you back end points. So how about this? We will cut you a check for an additional $2 million for you to agree for us to remove that clause from the contract. And they'll work it out, right? They'll work it out. So for 2021 – There could be some issues they had to deal with, but long term, it just won't be a problem anymore. And like I said, these filmmakers and actors, whatever, they simply won't have a say, they just simply won't have a say. All right. Mr. Hoover writes, Hey, campy crew. I don't want movie theaters to die. Neither do I, man. Uh, Can we, can a law be put in place by the Supreme court that says, yeah, by the way, the courts do not make law. Let's just be clear about that. Courts do not make law. Courts interpret and enforce law. Courts do not make law; they kind of do in a way when they set precedent. But I'm not going to give you guys a full legal breakdown right now. But court, just to be clear, the courts don't make law. Okay, government makes law. Anyway, uh, can a law be put in place by the Supreme Court that says if a movie budget is over thirty million dollars, it must be released to theaters. Anything undergoes the streaming. Uh, movie trailers. Uh, good. Please release the campaign cut. Well, thank you so much. I, I'm guessing that means no. You can't make any kind of a law like that. That that's a total violation of the open market. Like you cannot tell somebody where they can't sell where they can sell their product. Like it's like telling Apple, oh, any computer you make that's over a thousand dollars can only be sold in San Francisco, and any computers you sell under thousand dollars you can sell everywhere else. That, that would violate so much law (laughs) that would violate so much law. Um, and yeah, that sort of thing would never fly. That would never fly. Number one, no government would make such a law. And if they did, the courts would immediately strike it down as being unconstitutional. So, um, yeah, that that unfortunately is not something that could happen. The only way something like that could happen is if the studios and the theaters themselves decide to make some sort of an arrangement that, hey, any of us studios that make films that have over a $30 million budget, we will put them in theaters. Anything we make for under $30 million budget, we'll put on our screens. And in exchange, you movie theaters will do this. I mean, that could happen, but it would have to be them that does it. No, no law can be made that would force something like that it would be struck down immediately as being kind of unconstitutional. All right. Not that I'm an expert in American law per se. Like when I studied law, it was Canadian law, but there's enough similarities in our legal system that I can pretty much tell you that. All right, America's ass writes, does the death of movie theaters mean that Avengers Endgame will forever hold the all-time record for highest grossing film? If it does, I'm happy, but I'm sad we'll never get to have the experience in theater with popcorn cheering for our heroes. The one one thing against that, and I talked about this on yesterday's uh, video as well, But the one thing that kind of is positioned against that is this, Avatar. Avatar, which was the all-time box office champion for many years, almost a decade. Not quite, but almost. It is only Trails Endgame by like $60 million or something like that. It's a very, very small number overall. I still believe there's a chance because remember Avatar belongs to Disney now. I still believe there is a very decent chance. I don't know this. This is just me speculating that Disney will do a re-release in whatever theaters are available. Disney may do a re-release of the original Avatar. So that they can use Avatar retaking the number one all-time box office position. As a marketing tool to promote Avatar 2, do not underestimate. There's some. If they would just do that. Listen, do never, ever, ever, ever underestimate how valuable the tiniest bit of a marketing edge is to studios like Disney. Natural marketing hooks are invaluable to studios. And if they can spend a tiny amount of money to re-release Avatar into whatever theaters are out there, get Avatar to make a, a handful of money to take back the number one all-time box office spot, and then Disney can go, when when it's time for Avatar 2, can go, hey, everybody, come see the sequel to the number one all-time box office movie, Avatar. You may think that's not a big deal. It's a big deal. Believe it, that's a big deal. Now, if Endgame was like 300 million ahead of Avatar, yeah, no, but it's it's like significantly less than just 100 million. It's like 60 or 70 million dollars they would need to make. They could do that, but that is the only scenario I see. uh, America's ass. It's the only scenario that I personally see that could theoretically. Uh, stop Endgame from being the overall all-time box office champion. But again, Endgame is also a Disney movie. So maybe after Disney does that with Avatar, they do the exact same thing with Endgame so that when the next Avengers movie comes out, Disney can go, come see the follow-up to the biggest box office movie of all time, Avengers Endgame. And they, they literally could leapfrog each other throughout the rest of history as the number one box office film of all time. But only Avatar has that chance. Only Avatar has that chance. All right. Uh, next up, um, Andrew writes, I enjoy movies at home, of course, but look at movies like Avengers Endgame or Infinity War. Seeing that in a packed theater with fans going crazy was an awesome experience. You can't replicate that experience in your house. 1,000% agree. I 1,000% agree. You're absolutely right. It is just something you can't replicate. And it is something that it, that's the magic part of movies. Don't get me wrong. Movies are still awesome and movies are great. But that undefinable, intangible magic about movies is that moment when you're in a theater with a hundred other people or 300 other people or whatever, and the monster jumps out from behind the tree and you and hundreds of other people all at once are like, ah! like, whatever, the magic of movies is when you're in a theater with 200 other people and you realize Bruce Willis was a ghost all along and the whole theater was like, <gasps> and everybody's looking at each other and figuring out the mad, that intangible magic comes when you're sitting in a movie theater with hundreds of other people and the camera cuts outside and this limping, Kevin Spacey all of a sudden starts limping a little bit less and then starts walking in a normal way and you realize that's Kaiser Soze. And everybody in theater is like, oh my God, all at the same time. That intangible magic of the movies. When they're sitting on the, when they're the battle is going on in Avengers Infinity War and all of a sudden a, 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 a the bridge opens up slams into the ground. The smoke clears and it's Thor and, and rocket and little Groot as well. But it's Thor standing there and the audience goes Wah! and they lose their mind. And fast Th- Thor yells, bring me Thanos Boom! That's the magic. That's where the magic is. The movies will still be there and the movies are still going to be great and movies will still be fun. And all those good things that we love about movies, they will all still be there. But the one thing we are going to lose, and there's just no way to recapture it. The one thing we are going to lose when the age of the movie theater dies is that magic. That undefinable, intangible, unmeasurable magic. Without being in a room, with. Everybody else where you have a collective shared experience of cheering together, gasping together, jumping out of your seats, being horrified, whatever, that's where the pixie dust comes in. That's, that's the thing you can't, you just can't quantify and you just can't manufacture. And that's the part that I will absolutely miss the most. I'm not a doomist. I'm not saying, Oh, the movies are dead now. No, no, movies will still be great. And I'll still love them. And I can't wait to watch wonder woman 84, even if it is going to be at home, but we are about to lose something that no streaming service, no fast internet connection, no content library can ever hope to replace. And it's that magic. And, um, yeah, I lament that we're going to be losing that part, Andrew. I really do. All right, next up, we got Anne Perkins, who writes, people still spend a lot of money on concerts, going to sports matches, Olympics, Broadway, et cetera, because the experience, despite huge technological advances with TV coverage, I see movie theaters in that field rather than vinyl and magazine and objects. I mean, look, you raise a great point, but you also defeat your own argument at the same time. Listen, you're absolutely right. The reason, no matter how good broadcast quality gets, and they can have 500 different camera angles and have players mic'd up and everything, and that's great. They makes for a great experience at home watching a football game. Like I watched the Raiders and Jets game earlier today. It's a great viewing experience. It is fantastic. Oh, but it doesn't come close. I'm sorry. It doesn't come close. To being in an NFL stadium, in a big crowd stadium where the audiences are cheering and gasping and booing and and losing their minds altogether. Nothing replaces that. It's that same thing, it's that magic. I watched Hamilton on Disney Plus. It was great. It is. It didn't come close to actually being there in the Los Angeles Pantages Theater in Hollywood, watching it live with an audience and it just, it doesn't compare. It is a better experience, but, but the reality is despite all that being true, we are about to lose the theatrical experience because movie theaters have such a razor thin margin. Like we can say, we can sit here and say, a truth, which is there will still be people that want that movie theater experience. And that is truth. There will still be people that want that movie theater experience. Here's the problem. Movie theaters right now, as we know them operate on razor thin margins, movie theaters cannot survive with just that percentage of people who will still want to go to the movie theaters. They can't survive on that. The razor thin margin that movie theaters exist on right now mean all of a sudden 30% of their customers just are gone. That's great. That's 70% and it won't be 70%, but let's be optimistic. It's great. If we could say, Hey, 70% of the people who go to the movies will still go to the movies. That's not enough. That's not enough to cover the margins. It's not enough to keep them afloat because they only had this tiny amount of wiggle room. To lose 30% takes them from profitability way into the negative. And that's fundamentally going to change things. And we're going to lose that magic, Ann Perkins, which is again, but again, I'm not saying it's all hopeless. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I mean, I think movie the age of movie theaters, the, the 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 era is over. I think it's it's almost unavoidable. But there is still some hope, and I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I just consider it to be very unlikely, unfortunately. All right, moving Matt writes. I think VR is where the theater experience will move to sooner or later. I disagree. I I think VR is very overhyped, but whatever. Uh, You can already have a theater backgrounds. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. It will only get better and you will be able to go uh, with and see friends with AR features eventually still can get lucky, uh, still can't get lucky. Sorry, future kids. Yeah, there's that too. I I disagree. I've been hearing people say forever that VR is going to be the way of the future and it's never really materialized. It's never really materialized. Um, I think we're going to continue to see advancements in VR technology. I think we're going to continue to see very cool things in VR. I myself own an Oculus Quest. Great. but And you can have some really fun gimmicky things like stuff you're doing. Like I've, I've talked about, I've used the virtual theater thing to watch stuff before. But honestly, I know I, never, I don't personally ever see it becoming the big thing. I think it would have already become the big thing if it could have. It's kind of like in social network. If you could have created Facebook, you would have created Facebook. I think if VR was going to be the next big thing, it would have already become the next big thing. And it never really did. It's still a thing. And I like, like I said, I own an Oculus myself and I like it. But I don't think I see becoming the next big thing, if you know what I'm saying. All right. Movie theater fan rights. I agree with John. However... I believe in you reap what you sow. Streaming is going to be a godsend to piracy too. It absolutely is. Uh, There are websites out there that you can watch movies and TV shows for free that the tables will turn on studios. Treat theaters the way you will be treated. Listen, as a matter of fact, tomorrow on the John Campion show, we're going to be talking about – I'll I'll bring up – I'll bring this up here. Give me one second. One of the stories we're going to be talking about tomorrow on the John Campus show is this report from Bloomberg saying that things like Mulan, we're already starting to see big spikes in piracy um, from these movies that are skipping theatrical releases. We're seeing huge spikes in piracy. And again, this is from Bloomberg. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit on tomorrow's episode of the John Campus show. So you're right. I think piracy is going to hit a whole new level. But again, I've always said this. The thing that kills piracy is when you make content easily available at reasonable prices. It wasn't, it really, when you look back in history, it really wasn't litigation that killed Napster. What really ultimately killed Napster was the fact when iTunes started coming out, this was a big deal back in the day. When iTunes started coming out and this whole notion that you could buy individual songs for a dollar, once technology adapted to the point where content became easily available, like very simple to get at a very reasonable price, that really, that did more to kind of kill music piracy than any litigation that was going on around. Like they were launching lawsuits every day, left, right, and center, blah, blah, blah. It was when technology got to the point that, hey, we're going to find a way to make content easily available. So it's simple for people to get and make it very reasonably priced. Generally speaking, people want to be fair. Generally speaking, not everybody. And I think if these streaming platforms get to the point where, hey, listen, it's going to be easy to get the content you want. And we're going to make sure it's very, very fairly priced and very reasonably priced for you to do so. If, and when they do that, that will become a big hammer. But when you get these things like these premium, like for $35, you can watch Mulan. Everybody went F that I'm going to go pirate it. And that's exactly what we saw happen. And it was a disaster for them, but we'll, we'll see how that kind of evolves. All right, guys, just got time for a couple more here. Uh, Next up, we've got James LH writes, john about your movie which i love you may plug it before continuing so hey my movie movie trailers a love story go check it out now anyway thank you for that uh you may plug it before continuing uh so do you know what the big question is on your next project don't you is it part of the shared cinematic universe you can't seem to make a film nowadays unless it is yeah no i i already know what i want my next project to be um i already know what i want my next project to be and I was ready to start moving on it in February or March, maybe even April. I was ready to start moving on it probably more like March or April, but then in, and I found a house and now I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford to do my next project, to be honest with you. I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford to do my next project. We'll see how good. Uh, and, and listen, movie trailers, the love story has already gone beyond my expectations. So thank you to everybody who's checked out my movie. And if you haven't yet, Get on out there and check it out. I think you'll find it very interesting if you're a film fan. But um, my next project might have to wait till like later in 2021, maybe 2022. We'll see. But I already know I want my next project to be. It's not shared cinematic universe stuff, but that's actually a really good topic, James LH. I like the way you're thinking on that because that's a really good topic. All right. Jacob Waldrop writes, I know you do not like talking politics. I really don't. Uh, but since this is about movies, do you think the government should consider bailing out the theaters, considering how many jobs are involved? Do you think there is even a chance it happens? I'm looking for hope. All right. I used to have one answer for this, but now my answer has changed. You bail out an industry. Like, listen, COVID is nobody's fault, right? It happened. It happened. I mean, maybe it's somebody's fault, but I mean, it's not the theater's fault. COVID is not the movie theater's fault. The movie theater industry became just just got hit by this COVID truck through no fault of their own, right? It's not like the movie theater business has been a badly mismanaged business. And because they're so badly mismanaged, they're going to go out of business. No, no, no. They were doing okay. They were surviving. Razor thin margins, yes, but they were surviving and they were making money and everything's fine. And then through no fault of their own, this thing came along and just killed an entire industry, not just an individual business, an entire industry. And I was personally all for a bailout of that industry because the collapse of that industry was going to have larger domino effect like uh, economic ramifications. There are tens of thousands of jobs on the line you got to save don't think about bailing out an industry think about saving those jobs that then that industry gets back on its feet and it survives and then it goes on becoming being an important part of the economy right that's what you're doing you're saving portions of the economy what makes it more questionable now is what for me personally the the where so I was all for it. I was all for government bailing out of the of of the theatrical industry because I thought that would be good for the economy overall moving forward. But now I wonder about that because now what's the point of saving the movie theaters if there's not going if there's not light at the end of the tunnel for them. Now that Disney and Warner Brothers have all clearly indicated we're moving away from movie theaters, what's the point of bailing them out now? Like it was one thing back in the day, a few months ago, when I thought Disney and Warner Brothers would be there with their movies for the movie theaters and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, save the movie theaters. Bail them out because it's good for the economy to bail them out. Don't just bail them out as a handout. Bail them out because they're an important part of the economy. Tens of thousands of jobs. It helps the entertainment industry. There's huge ramifications of that. But, and I haven't thought this through a lot, so I'm just telling you what my initial thoughts are. I could have my mind changed on this very easily. I'm just saying this is where my thoughts are on this right now in this moment, is if the studios are already indicating they they don't intend to put their movies in theaters anymore, then what's the point of sending $5 billion to save the theater industry? That's not. I'm not saying that's what I want or don't want or anything. I'm just saying it. Just making me second guess that position that I had. So I'm not totally sure, Jacob, my friend. I am not totally sure. All right. Next up, uh, Jason O'Connor writes, HBO Max isn't available outside of the U.S., currently they will be expanding. What does that mean for us worldwide audience who don't have access to this service and our theaters are closed? We are left with very little options. What do we do? Movies make most uh, of their money worldwide. Yeah, it's, listen, it has created havoc. There's no doubt about it. And there's not an easy answer, unfortunately. When something like a global pandemic comes along and creates absolute unspeakable havoc, The reality is there's just going to be some areas that don't have clean answers. HBO Max is not ready to launch worldwide. They're not in a position to be open in every market everywhere. So what do they do? Do they not do anything? Say we won't even do stuff in the U.S. even though we are positioned that we can do things in the U.S.? Of course they should. So they're going to. But the pandemic means there are going to be negative ramifications, regardless of what HBO or Disney or anybody else does. And that's just one of the unfortunate uh, things. So Jason, it sucks. There's no getting around it. It sucks. The only thing to do is be patient. Just be patient. They will figure out a way where there are people, where there is a willing paying customer base. Industry will find a way to get their product to them. It may take a little while, though wherever there's money to be made, greedy companies will find a way to get their product to you. It just may take a little while. Uh, So, I mean, there's no way around it, Jason. I just have to agree with you. It it totally, the position you're in as an entertainment fan, as a movie fan totally sucks. Totally sucks. So it's the only option is wait. That's the only option. and It sucks, but this too shall pass. This too shall pass my friend. All right. Next up, Dan S writes one of two. Streaming services will be all that's left in a few years, probably. Uh, People will likely only sub to a few services, so streamers will have to compete for more uh, subscribers. Will this force Netflix to improve quality of their content and marketing? Well, see, that's the idea, right, Dan? Let's keep going with Dan. Dan, two of two. Netflix makes a lot of content, mostly inferior to the programming of something like HBO. True. Uh, Should Netflix cut down on the amount of content and focus on drawing subscribers with more consistent quality, this will make them more profitable too. Well, I mean, they have found a way. They have found a way to balance original, higher quality premium content with a lot of the filler stuff because they find the filler stuff – It only gets so many people engaged, but it's also very inexpensive for them to make. So they find a balance. They want to appeal across the board, right? They want to appeal across the board. There's a reason they have over 200 million subscribers. It is. Now, listen, ideally, the premium position for for this whole industry is that there's a bunch of players and that creates an environment of competition. And that competition is ultimately good for the consumer. That's the underlying philosophy, right? Theoretically, if that could play out, but it means that we got to have more than just Netflix and HBO Max and Disney plus, it means we got to hope Paramount plus can become a big success too. It means we've got to hope that other streaming services, that Amazon continues to be a major, hopefully, uh, you know, this Lord of the ring show will really propel them up just like shows like the boys and the marvelous Mrs. Maisel have. So the idea is, that we get a bunch of these streamers that are successful and it creates an environment of competition and that the competition will force each other to continue to innovate, create great programming and not get lazy and rest on their laurels. Will that happen? I'm not 100% sure. But places like Disney+, Plus, which is also doing the same thing as Netflix, they make some premium content, very little actually, and then a bunch of smaller filler content um, that they just use to pad their library with. There are advantages to that. Uh, and like I said, smaller price tags. So we'll see how they kind of uh, evolve that. But again, hopefully we'll have more than just two or three strong competitors. Hopefully we'll have five or six solid competitors and that will force each other to really up their game. And that's how capitalism's supposed to work. Will it work like that in this situation? I don't know for sure. We will find out soon enough. All right. Two more questions, guys, then we got to wrap it up today. Uh, Dan Murphy writes, Hey, John, just read an article from the Hollywood Reporter uh, that they are making a female lead Plastic Man movie that I just I just heard about that myself. Could you explain this to me? Isn't Plastic Man? Well, a man? (laughs) Will it be uh, retitled Plastic Woman? Thanks and stay dirty or filthy. That's irrelevant. It really doesn't matter. Look, it's not like Plastic Man is some icon. I have no doubt there are some very, very insecure men who are going to go – that are suddenly going to pretend like Plastic Man is some important part of their pe- – let's be honest. Plastic Man is not a big deal to most people. The best use of Plastic Man ever was in the Dark Knight Returns sequel. I can't remember what the sequel to the Dark Knight Returns in the comics was, but that Plastic Man was like the best use of Plastic Man ever. Anyway, if I'm thinking about the right guy. Anyway. Um, nobody really cares the gender of that character is irrelevant because because it's not like plastic man is not batman plastic man is not superman so nobody gives a shit there are going to be people who pretend to give a shit just because it's an issue of them giving a role to a woman and some insecure men can't handle that but it really doesn't matter it doesn't matter so they will they will clearly not call it plastic man they'll call it something else and it doesn't matter it's either going to be good or it's going to suck and it, it being good or it sucking will have nothing to do with the decided to doing plastic man. look plastic man it may be one of those things is like plastic man is not a popular ip so let's do something different with it okay let's let's change it up let's make it a female character okay let's change it up so yeah that's my guess they'll probably make it uh, they'll probably just call it plastic woman or plastic girl or just might even call it plastic i don't know I don't really care. <laughs> this is not a big, important character to me, so I don't really care all that much. All right. Carla Wilson writes, Hey, John, my cousins and I absolutely love the movie Far and Away. Oh, a lot of people do. It's a sweet movie. I really don't understand why many people don't. Uh, it's got everything. Revenge, guns, boxing, gangsters, a horse race, uh, romance, laundry tips. How do you feel about this movie? And why? I've always liked it. I never thought it was great. This is the the um, Nicole, if I'm not mistaken, it's Nicole Kidman one, right? We're talking right about... Let me just bring it up here. Make sure it's the right one. It's the one she does with Tom Cruise back when they were still married. Yeah, 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 far and away. Um yeah, I mean, I I like it. I I mean, I've never loved it. I've never thought it was great, but I've always liked it. I think it's an all right movie. Um it is it is wistful to look back in those days when, I mean, it's it's been so long. It's hard to remember that Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman were married. They did several films together, including that Kubrick uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Ooh, filthy. Speaking of filthy, Eyes Wide Shut. Anyway, I like Far and Away. Not one of my favorites. Not something I go back and revisit every once in a while. It's got a lot of good elements. Not always the best executed. It is... Um, I mean, it's it's one of the good Ron Howard – if, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Ron Howard directed it. It's one of the good Ron Howard films, but not one of his best ones to me. So anyway, what was the other one? Uh, uh, was it uh, Days of Thunder? I think Days of Thunder is another one that was Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. They did another – that was one of the bigger celebrity breakups, as a matter of fact. All right, last one we're going to do today, guys, Then we got to wrap it up. Anthony writes – Cable companies are starting to see the writing on the wall when it comes to the popularity of streaming. They're not starting to see. It. They've known for a couple of years. They saw the writing on the wall a number of years ago. Believe that. Uh, my cable bill went from 177 a month, internet included, to 77 a month, internet included, because I threatened to cancel. I could, I couldn't refuse. Well, yeah, listen, that's true of a lot of different types of companies, right? Companies like cable companies and others have... Specialists called retention specialists or entire departments called retention departments. When somebody and their whole specialty is how do we keep somebody as a customer who is saying they're leaving? And and like I said, big companies that are in this type of a field, but specifically cable companies or phone companies or whatever, they will have specialists that are and entire departments completely dedicated to that one specific situation. We've got a customer who has decided to leave our service. That's where the retention specialists come in. And their job is to whatever, however, keep you on. And they can do things that people like even vice presidents can't do who are not specifically in the retention department. People in retention have a lot of power. They can offer things to potential to to customers that even vice presidents in the company don't have the power to offer, and it only triggers in when the customer service rep realizes, "Oh no, this person's serious. They're they're canceling their service," and they'll be like, "Let me just pass you on to one of our associates," and they pass you on, and you'll get the retention specialist, and the retention specialist will probably offer you things that you didn't think you can get, which leaves you wondering, hey, if you can afford to give me this service for $77 a month and still make money off me as a customer, how come you've been charging me $177 all this time? But no, yeah. And and the more desperate the situation for cable companies get, the more and more you're going to see these retention specialists offering their customers to please don't leave us. You're going to see that increase even more. All right, guys, listen, we've gotten through just about everything. Uh, we're, we're into now Leo, and these are all people who send in questions after Friday's show. We're, so don't, do not worry, guys. We've now got all caught up on all the things we still had left over as of Friday. We're ready to go in now into the new questions that we will do tomorrow on the John Campi show. Guys, thank you so much for all of you who, uh, for checking out this video and to all of you who sent in the questions, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel while you did it. And all of us here, thank you guys very, very much for that. Um, guys, please remember, do the four main things, stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campion until tomorrow's show. Bye-bye.